Number nine here. We've got a lot of racing news this week. A little more than normal. Uh, i got quite a few things here. I don't know if I'm going to cram them all into this one or save some. Um, Olympic test event. Red Bull Beyond the Line. Episode 2 was released. Some uh, OKK uh, Hot Wheel, however you pronounce it, was a great race. And we got some couple of weird new things coming out for a change in gears and some cool stuff about uh, for the old school 1991 World Championships. Uh, I noticed a couple kind of cool things. With all that, let's go. This is Short Travel Magazine. Racing news and views. All right, let's get going right away. Here are lots of things going on. Uh, the Olympic test event, which uh, Vanderpol says he's going to do. I'm not hearing much chatter about this at all, and it's only a week away. Uh, so interesting things. Of course, it's in France where the Olympics will be next year. Uh, they're going to have a men's and a women's race. And it's going to be crammed in between Leger, which is this weekend, and the uh, Snowshoe West Virginia. So these, this has been one heck of a busy summer, I think, for the uh, pros out there. That's a lot of things to keep track of. So, um, it's called Ilencore. I, I don't know how to speak French. You'll have to excuse me. I really stink at that. But it's, it's 231 meters. So the highest point would be what, what is that? Uh, roughly a thousand feet, which is the highest point in the Paris region, which is interesting. It's not very high. It's beyond us a thousand feet. I mean, it's higher than anything I have in Illinois here in the U.S., but still, this is not going to be a altitude race where people need to go spend a week in uh, Andorra or somewhere. So uh, they also claim to not be changing or building any major uh, buildings or infrastructure. Their whole goal is to leave it, at, you know, as close to intact as it is. So that's kind of cool. And they said all of the, uh, Nick Floros is the designer, South African trail builder. And they're going to base the whole thing as 95% on existing trails. So that's actually kind of cool. I'm assuming we're not going to get a bunch of weird man-made fake rock drop-offs and jumps over fake ponds. And I, I don't particularly like that stuff a whole lot. I like the natural roots and rocks and and uh, stuff like that. But um, they're going to leave the trails, of course, when they're done. They're not, uh, but it's it is built near a, a site of a former sandstone quarry. So I wonder what the type of uh, you know quarry sandstone could be. Very loose, not very uh, what are the word loamy? I don't know. Be interesting to see what happens. Um, 
15 to 20,000 capacity for people, for guests to watch. That's kind of cool. So I don't know. I didn't look if anybody's going to actually, I mean, I'm assuming GCN Plus and the usual World Cup, uh, you know, video team is going to be there. I don't know. There isn't, I'm not really saying. I have to go look that up. Um, but that's something I would love to see kind of how that goes. If you remember last Olympics, Yolanda in Japan won the test event and then came out and won the actual event, which to me is kind of, I mean, they were quite a, you know, how many, a couple months apart, the test event, maybe more, six months like this one. So I don't know, quite interesting to see what happens. Maybe Vanderbilt comes out kicks everybody's butt and says to himself, hey, I'm I'm good to go. I don't need to uh, race like uh, old Tom Pidcock has been doing, showing up two, three races a year. Interesting. So let's keep an eye out for that. If I find out for sure who's going to be showing that, I will mention it next week. Uh, also, the old uh, rumor mill, not rumor mill, I guess, Luca Schwartzbauer, Schwartz Power, as people call him. Uh, I had a blog post basically telling everybody to shut up, quit telling him how he's supposed to race. The fact that he goes out too fast and doesn't sit back and wait behind others, kind of like Pidcock seems to do, you know, seems like the smarter move. I mean, Evan Cini was guilty of that too. He'd just go out full speed, get gobbled up within a lap or two, and then end up about where he would. Uh, traditionally have ended up if he just kind of chilled. I don't know. Interesting. But he said, hey, this is how I do it. And uh, until you can ride a, a mile in my shoes, shut up. Okay, I may have paraphrased all that quite a bit. That's how I took it. So kind of kind of cool to see somebody like that just tell people to mind their own business. This is how he does it. I mean, these guys have a heck of a last two years here. Considering he was not even remotely on the radar two years ago. Nobody had ever heard of him. He just kind of showed up and was already, you could tell, already kind of ready to go, ready to start kicking butt. So I'm a fan in case you didn't notice that. So good for him. Uh, what else? Uh, the Red Bull show with Emily Batty and Rob Warner. And honestly, I cannot remember the downhiller guy's name. Uh, episode two, when it first came out, I watched it. I thought, oh, what a perfect venue for, you know, an Emily Batty type person to have uh, at her disposal where she can, I mean, she certainly has the experience and has been around the block. So I kind of had high hopes for it. You know, I, like everybody else, I like Rob Warner. I just like his, like his voice. I like his excitement. Uh, so I thought it would be kind of cool. And now the second one has just been released, and I don't know. It's not uh, It's not grabbing me. I'm giving it a 5 out of 10 rating. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't... The, the problem with them sharing time, talking about cross-country and downhill, to me, just does not... I, I don't want to hear any of the downhill stuff. I mean, it's mildly interesting once in a while... A few things, but 
I don't know. They're just, to me, they're so separate, these two uh, factions of the sport that I, I don't know. It just bores me. Uh, I have no idea what the accolades are of the uh, downhiller guy, the host. I mean, he's obviously been around. He knows everybody. He's raced. But I don't know how successful it was. I don't really, I don't know. If it was like a Loic Bruni or somebody doing this, that dude for some reason, I like to kind of follow him. The only reason I actually check in, I do check the results after the downhill finals just because I'm I'm, I'm looking for Finn Isles and Loic Bruni. Those are the only two guys that I kind of kind of know. Um, I mean, I recognize a lot of the other names, but they don't really register with me. Uh, and a couple of the women, for some reason I like Tani Seagrave. I like her name. I know that's stupid. And, of course, Rachel Atherton is cool. Uh, but I, man... I just wish I, maybe if I, you know, I've tried to watch it over the years. Not like I've never watched it. Um, so I don't know. That show, Beyond the Line, it's cool that they're trying to keep doing some mountain bike stuff without showing the actual World Cups. They're obviously giving them access to things. They're on site, you know. I, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give it a couple more episodes. I'll probably still watch it because I'm always looking for stuff to watch. But that just didn't do it for me, the first two episodes. If it disappeared, I don't think I would be sad. Uh, that's that. Let's talk about Sam Gaze for a minute. I know on a forum I kind of started some crap uh, about him bailing on the World Cups to go race the Vuelta because his, his uh, statement about it was that his coach and him both agreed that that would be Good thing to have in the legs for next year's Olympics, which I was arguing, and again, I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. It seemed like an awful long way away to be worrying about getting through a three-week race now in September, August and September of this year that's somehow going to change his body's ability to hold training six, seven months from now. I don't know. So... I was kind of shocked when he uh, quit the race after just a week uh, out of the three-week race. Fatigue and illness and all that type of thing. He said he was just empty. And, you know, that's these are human beings here we're talking about. I can only imagine uh, if you're not feeling well, absolutely no reason to keep going and, and you know, hurt yourself. But every time I... Vanderpool especially, every time they do these things where they, it's almost like, you know, you almost, you can't plan ahead almost that, that far. You just can't. I mean, look what happened to Vanderpool in Japan for the last Olympics. He was the big guy going in there, put all his eggs in one basket, boom, done, out, finished, first lap. World champs this year, of course. I'm just going to show up and kick everybody's butt. Boom. Didn't happen. So for Sam Gay, I thought, you know, he'd be better off just racing the World Cups. If you're gonna, worried about your mountain biking abilities next year for the Olympics in the mountain bike race, then why focus on doing a road race? I, I don't know. I really wish somebody could explain for real, not just hyperbole, but what good that really did him 
would he not have, he could probably win the overall this year at the way he's been racing for the World Cup. So that ain't going to happen now, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to show up this weekend. And I haven't seen anything about him going to Snowshoe or Canada um, now that the Vuelta's out. So who knows? We may not see him again at all the rest of this year in the mountain bike world. And let's go on one last thing. I'd like to mention him in the racing world. Um, OKK Hutwil. The OKK uh, series is Switzerland only. In case you didn't know, I say only meaning it's in Switzerland. It's basically a really cool local race series that Red Bull is kind enough to actually put on their site for free, just like they did the World Cups with Rob Warner, no less. Uh, and Jose Hermida as the uh, commentators. So no problems with that. And of course, a lot of the Swiss are there. Not all of them. Uh, Nino wasn't there. I don't think, you know, Yolanda wasn't there. But still, many of them. Uh, Kate Courtney was there. And that's kind of cool. I think Christopher Blevins was too. So we actually had a couple Americans racing in this series. This was the last one in Hutwil. Um, you can watch it. It's, it's a good race. I mean, Kate Courtney, I think looked better than probably she has in a couple years. She stayed with, uh, what's her name? How can I remember? From Thomas. She stayed with Alessandra Keller a lap or two and then, and then Keller took off, but still she ended up in second and I don't know, looked kind of like her old self, but that's not what I really wanted to talk about. I mean, you can watch that and see all that yourself. But she mentioned that she stays at her boss's house, uh, Tomas Frischkinek. She actually stays at his house while she's over there in Switzerland. That's kind of cool. Um, right? So I'm assuming that's why she's doing these local Swiss races. Also, that she's good friends with Keller, Alexander Keller, and she's actually going to, they were going to drive, that she's staying at her house for a few days. Now that's kind of cool. And then they're going to drive together to the World Cup this weekend. I don't know how long of a drive it is from Switzerland to France, but again, I just, I don't know. I thought that was really cool, that they're kind of intertwined, two separate teams. You know, it's not a team thing. It's just like a friendship type of a thing, so... That's pretty darn cool. I wonder if other people kind of do that. If Certainly the Americans, I have to stay somewhere over there. You know, is Gwendolyn Gibbons staying with only their Trek teammates over there? Or, you know, I don't know. Kind of cool. I, thought I could just kind of picture that in my head, having these two world-class racers staying together, kind of just as friends and hanging out and, and, uh, and then driving to the race together. That's cool. So uh, that's enough for now, I think. Um, of course, we have the the uh, short track coming up this Friday in a couple days, and then the, the race on Sunday. It's been kind of a weird, weird post-World uh, Champs vibe, and I, I cannot make any predictions whatsoever. I'm not even going to bother. I can't imagine who's going to win, um, but it's going to be, should be pretty good. If it's dry, uh PFP is probably going to give that one a go, and I don't see why she wouldn't be considered the favorite by far. So, all right, let's move on to some tidbits. 
Interesting tidbits. Curated just for you. All right, just some quick tidbits here. Um, there's some photos going around that Alan Hatherley Cannondale had a wireless earpiece in, like the road dudes do, so that uh, he could communicate. I, I don't know if it's a two-way thing or if only he can hear his uh, coach or director giving him information. And if you if you look, I mean, they are technically not legal radios in cross-country. But the odd thing is it says unless approved with the UCI. Now, why that would be, it's like either let everybody do it or you don't. I have no idea what the thinking is with this approval. But anyway, there is a photo, and I never noticed it. He actually had the little earpiece in with a piece of tape on his ear, just like you see. Uh, it's kind of a blurry photo, but I don't know. I think it said short track he had it. Now, that seems kind of weird. Isn't that kind of all happening right in front of you? Why you would maybe need somebody telling you something? I don't know. But that's interesting, and it kind of bums me out because I can imagine here coming up in the next few years, I can't see any good reason why the UCI wouldn't say, yeah, go ahead, and then everybody starts putting radios in their ear, and everybody knows now exactly where everybody is instantly. And I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like going. I almost wish we went backwards and had no tech, no tech zones like the old days. And you bring your own repair tools. Certainly no radios. Carry your own water. Stuff like that. I'm just an old grump. So. Look for that to start ramping up. I'm guessing once one person does it and has some success, everybody's going to start wanting to do it. Um, lots of talk about hardtails like Canyon and Pinarello, of course, and Cervelo. They're all putting out these super light carbon hardtails. And I know very few people, mainly on the women's side, have been using them. I just don't get it. Seems like that ship has sailed. Now, they're cool to use as kind of gravel, pseudo-gravel bikes. But at a World Cup level, I just don't see the point. So, I'll be curious. I, every year I keep wondering, when is when is these companies going to just start not building them anymore? So, I don't know. Uh, somebody must be buying them. Um... Yeti, of course, uh, maybe you didn't hear, is now selling Consumer Direct. There's a bit of a big conversation over on MTBR about this. Uh, I didn't really think it was that big a deal, but apparently it kind of is, and I'm curious as to what other people think about buying, I mean, the cheapest Yeti, I would imagine, is five to eight grand. I guess it could apply to any bike. I mean, Specialized Trek, they all do something direct now. Canyon, of course, you know, and the like are only uh, direct. But I've even considered, uh, you know, would I drop ten grand on a bike with never having thrown a leg over it? I would, I guess. But I would much prefer to go somewhere and actually not try the exact bike necessarily, but certainly the exact size um, you know, maybe a, a build level down or two so I could at least get on the thing and, I don't know, 
but I guess you're just going to see more and more and more of this. I mean, these companies have to do whatever they have to do, but it just seems kind of weird. Of course, I don't know any Yeti dealers here in Illinois. It's been so many years since I even thought about Yeti. They don't even make a true cross-country race bike at all. I haven't for decades, so for me, that's not even a brand on my radar, um, but we'll see. I'm assuming everybody's going to do that eventually. Uh, what else was interesting? Uh, Sep Cuss, old Sep. Anybody watching the Vuelta road races? Not not too much excitement there from a mountain biking point of view. However, um, do any, does anybody know San, uh, Sep Cuss, Colorado, of course. Seems like everybody's from Colorado still. Uh, he actually was a mountain biker. He won the Collegiate Mountain Bike Champs in 2014 and 2015, both years, cross-country. So um, he'd be a cool, you know, he's so, he's kind of built like a pidcock. He's ridiculously thin and slender. He can climb like crazy. And if he was already good on a mountain bike, I, he's never going to do it. He's a top lieutenant uh, right now on the road. But it'd be kind of cool to see him pop in and try a mountain bike race or two, uh, even just in the U.S. And, you know, a Leadville. And, I, don't, I don't know. Has he ever done a Leadville? I don't remember ever seeing his name being mentioned. Uh, maybe someday he'll do that once he gets kind of down the line, kind of pull like a Levi Leipheimer or a Lance and all the road guys, just kind of give Leadville a whirl. I bet he could do quite well with his engine and climbing ability. So that's kind of cool. And one last thing on the uh, tidbits. Did you know that cross-country marathon, as a format, has the most participants throughout the world of all the cross-country racing formats, so the short track and Olympic distance? There's more people racing marathon uh, format in events than those other ones. And that, to me, was surprising because I don't even have any marathon events around uh, I haven't. I don't even know where I would go in the U.S. for such a thing. I believe this year in Alabama they are having a marathon world. I believe. Maybe I'm confusing that with the gravel world. So there you go. Marathon is uh, kind of the thing. That's actually going to uh, be a factor in my. Let's talk about the old school. There's something there I noticed. Uh, so let's get into. Changing gears quickly and then uh, wrap it up with the old school. Here we go. Changing gears. More new stuff we don't really need. Amen to that. Speaking of things we don't need, let's talk about oversized pulleys. I keep seeing these things popping up. A few a new company has got some out. They're two to $400 for these, uh, call me nuts, stupid products. Now, I like cool trick stuff. I'll be the first one to blow money on things that I don't really need. But I just don't see how these oversized pulley things make any sense. Now, if you need new pulleys, yours are worn out, which, I mean, I've rode on one set of pulleys for 15 years and they still work fine. Would I dump more money in the pulley cage than the whole direct? No, I wouldn't do it. I don't get it. Um, I just don't think they're that critical of a part on your bike that requires you to go outside of what SRAM and Shimano or TRP or anybody else who's making rear derailleurs 
what they put on there. I mean, if if there was some giant, huge, ridiculous advantage, don't you think they'd want in on that money and just make them giant, oversized, so that nobody has to blow any money on some third-party unit? I don't know. Call me crazy. But they keep popping up. People are apparently, I mean, if you're a company, you want to make quick buck. I mean, it, it, those don't look to be terribly sophisticated pieces of bike equipment. Uh, but I could be wrong. More power to whoever wants to make this stuff. One thing I did notice, uh, gear-wise, is that people are still, many people in the cross-country World Cup are running HT pedals. They're not running, if you're not a Shimano-sponsored rider, of course, although some of them still run SPDs, a few Maybe they don't have that rigid of a contract with the SRAM. But for the most part, the SRAM guys have to go find some other pedals. So Crank you know, Crank Brothers, I think, is what Yolanda uses. But everybody, and I saw this in 19 when I was in Snowshoe, and I was really walking through the pits, looking at everybody's bikes, and I was just shocked at how many people had these HT pedals, the, usually the shiny rainbow titanium axle versions. I mean, everybody had them. And I got to thinking, that is an area that SRAM really needs to kind of think about. They should buy HT and just be done with it. Um, they did buy, what did they buy, Time or Look Pedals? I don't remember. You know, very few people I see are actually using them. I'm assuming they bought them more for the power meter or maybe the roadside. Or they must have got a deal on them. But they have not, either way, they have not pushed their mountain bike pedals very hard. I mean, they don't really, if they came out with all new ones, call them, you know, SRAM power pedals or something. Um, that would be kind of cool, but it seems like a missing opportunity since they have everything else with the drivetrain and the forks and through zip, you know, the wheels and through Truvative and through Avid. They have almost everything going, so why not uh, tackle the pedal? So, SRAM, go buy HT. I know it's a Taiwanese company. They're probably not for sale. But come out with some pedals. Then these people can start pushing that. What else? The uh, Mondraker F-Podium, the bike that Rebecca Henderson and Andre Sink ride, which personally I think is one of the ugliest looking mountain bikes I've ever seen. I know, I'm, I'm an idiot. Looks don't matter. Thing looks way too long. And weird to be uh, fully functional. Obviously, I'm full of crap because there's plenty of great results on that bike. But they have a new one coming out. I believe it's tomorrow, I think. Or is it next week? But uh, keep an eye out for that. It looks really similar, but uh, some weird things going on around the shock area. So I'll be kind of curious to see how that turns out. So look on that. You know, just... You can find it on some of the social media sites. I'll let you know what I think about that. Mainly because uh, I always thought they sounded French or something. That's a Spanish company. And just in general, there are some really, really cool Spanish bike, mountain bike brands. Beria, BH, um, Massey. Is that how you say it? There's a crap load of really cool bikes with Spanish origins that we don't get here, but are all over the World Cup and all over Europe. So, I don't know. Kind of 
thought that was interesting. They've got such a huge, why that one country has so many brands um, that other countries don't seem to have. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And I guess we'll wrap that up. I have a few things I'll save till next week. Let's do some old school talk and then we'll call it a day. Let's talk about the old school. Yes, let's talk about the old school. All right, 1991, the year I first found mountain bikes and racing. World Champs, YouTube. Check it out. They lined everybody up. All the big names were already there. Tomac, Frisch Connect. He was already, in 91, already at the top. One of the, kind of the few Euros who were already heavily, heavily invested in the uh, Norva series. But... Just a couple things I find interesting about the old school. First of all, they have the, the tape across from left to right, holding everybody back. Right before they uh, said go, they just, <laughs> you know, now you see the guy walking from one ed, one side of the uh, start area to the other, kind of rolling up the tape. They, they just held the tape up over their head, and everybody went under the tape. Seems extremely weird. Uh nobody really nailed it nobody stood up far enough to hit their heads on the tape but that i thought that's kind of weird uh i know that's stupid but here's the best part the the winning time i believe tomac won and frisch connect ended up in second okay you ready for this the winning time this is cross country two hours 38 minutes that's right Two and a half hours. That's just for the winter. So we're looking at easily three hours for most people for a cross-country race. And what are they now? Oh, an hour 15 and like that's the max. They get to an hour 25 and that seems like a, a long race. So two hours, 38 minutes at the beginning of our sport. That was cross-country mountain biking. Uh, so think of how vastly different it is now. Now they have to give that a whole other name. Nobody even watches it. Now can you, can you realistically sit there and watch on TV a two and a half hour race? No, probably not. In fact, the, the coverage was, you know, of course, all chopped up. You kind of see the first lap and then they would just kind of zip around and then end with the last, you know, last half a lap. But just the same, it just is a reminder kind of how things have gone. I mean, what you know, think about short track. We're down to 20 minutes now for a rate. What, are they going to have a short, short track where it's literally like a uh, seven-minute loop? Now, the funny thing is, when I started in 91, they actually did have a shorter race. They had a hill climb at every race I went. They would just pick the biggest hill and started everybody at the bottom all together as a group, and everybody hauled butt to the top of the hill. It would be like five five, six minute climb, winner take all. Uh, I was terrible at climbing, so I never really, uh, I did them just because you're already paying. You could just pay to do downhill, cross country, hill climb, and a trials. They had a deal where you, cross country guys, you know, you didn't use a special bike. You just used your bike and you had to get through this trials course. You had four events all included in one weekend race uh, price. So I did that for several years, and then they started dropping all that away. So there you go. Frisch Connect, second place in 91. He was already that good. And it was two hours and 38 minutes. Think about that. That's just 
a regular cross-country race. It's amazing that so many amateurs actually took up the sport back in the 90s when it really did require serious length and commitment to get around these racetracks. So that's kind of cool. Um, that should about do it for now. I say let's wrap this up. Uh, of course, we next week we're going to stick with once a week here and see how Leger goes. And a couple other new things I got um, dreaming up. So fat bike season here in Illinois is starting to uh, creep up. So I may get that out and start kind of getting used to that bike again. All right, that's it. Have a good weekend. Talk to you next week. Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine.